0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We are in a series starting today called Running with the Giants. And again, what this is, is it's an opportunity for us just really to take biblical characters out of the scripture and really just say, hey, if if I was walking with you, if you were walking with me, what would you tell me? What's one piece of advice that you would give me about life today? And I wanna talk to you uh, from the incredible man of God in the scripture named Daniel. Um, many of you probably know Daniel from the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about, I'm going to read some scripture. It's going to be about 10 verses, so you'll have to just stick with me here. But I want to read, read before The Daniel in the lion's den. Before it happened that he got into the lion's den that we all know, I want to show you kind of what Daniel's life looked like. Daniel chapter 6, I mean, yes, chapter 6, starting in verse 3. It says, Daniel (laughs) Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. What would it look like if our world, the only thing they could find fault in us with is how much we love Jesus. Come on, somebody, I'm just preaching to myself, I guess. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are, we are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions. And now your majesty issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed and an official law that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officers and officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Verse 12, and then they went straight to the king and reminded him about this law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands and it is official law that cannot be revoked. Many of you know this story. Daniel is a man who is trustworthy, who is faithful, who is honoring. And these men try to come and try to find something at fault against Daniel. And they can't find anything wrong or anything to blame him about except for how much his faith is in God. And so they say, let's create this law that says people can't pray to anyone other than the king. The king signs the law. Daniel hears this and immediately he goes and continues in his life of praying three times a day, seeking God. I wanna talk to you today, if we were walking with Daniel, I think this is what he would say. If we say, Daniel, give us one key, one thought on how we are to live in 2022, I think he would say this. A life of prayer is essential to the life of faith. A life of prayer is essential to the life of faith. Now, all of us in the room and online, all of us are like, oh yeah, of course praying praying's part of religion part praying is part of christianity of course yes that's true but here's what happens oftentimes we know it's one of the most foundational fundamental things and yet it's one of the things we oftentimes struggle with most it's like if you play basketball it's like dribbling it's the most fundamental thing of the basketball game is dribbling. And yet sometimes if somebody is not good at dribbling, they can shoot all day. It's going to be hard for them to, to conquer or play or play well or whatever that may, may look like for us. It's the same thing spiritual. We oftentimes think, okay, we know foundationally prayer is, is important. We know foundationally and fundamentally prayer is vital. But yet what happens is we go throughout our day, we get tired at night, we say one quick prayer as we go to sleep, and then that's what our prayer life looks like. And I want to talk to you today. I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to create guilt. What I'm trying to do today is stir up a passion for prayer. I want to stir up a passion for prayer because what we see in the life of Daniel is he was someone who prayed. And oftentimes we can let life come in and hit us in different ways, and it can hinder us. And this is what the enemy tries to do. It can hinder us from really living a life of prayer and in relationship with God. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, it says this. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. Daniel heard the thing. He knew exactly. He heard, if I pray, I'm going to be thrown into the lions then. So what does Daniel do? He goes straight home like he always does. He gets in front of his window and his upstairs room. He says, I'm going to kneel down and I'm going to pray. This is is what's important about prayer. Prayer, we have to, and this is my first thought. Prayer has to have a place. Our prayer has has to have a place. Okay, let me explain that. Oftentimes what we do with our prayer life is just sporadic. Whenever I find some time. Whenever I can, for those of us that are multitaskers, or at least we think we're multitaskers, come on somebody, you know what I'm saying? We think we can do 12 things at once, but we're just doing 12 things really bad. Just me, cool, that's fine, that's cool. No, I'm structured. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not, you're lying to yourself. You're not lying to us, you're lying to yourself. And so we can be, you know what, I'm supposed to pray today, and so, you know what, I'm doing my makeup, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm watching TV, or, or the, the music's on, or, or I'm driving, and I got all these things. The phone's blowing up, texting, and I got emails I got to respond to, and I'm doing all these things. And what happens is, it can get us to the place of where there's no space for God. And we started out wanting it, but then because of all the things that are going on around us, we don't create a place for God to be able to speak to us and us speak to God. I love this, that he went to a specific place to pray. Do you have a specific place to pray? Some people call them prayer closets. Some people call them the secret place. Some people call them the quiet place. Until the crazy movie with aliens came out. But there's this, there's this should be this space, if you will. I'm just very practically helping you out. If you want to live in a life of prayer, there needs to be a space for you, a place for you where you pray. And you know that's my spot that I'm going to go and pray to. I would recommend that it wouldn't be your bed. Because more than likely you start to pray, see you later, night, night. But there should be a space. And this is what's interesting. Daniel did this, but yet also Jesus did. Jesus had specific places where he would go and he would pray to the Father and seek God. Let me show it to you. Matthew chapter uh, six. Oh, excuse me, not Matthew chapter six. Luke chapter 22 and verse 39. It says, then accompanied by his disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual. Same exact word Daniel used. As he went as usual to his upstairs room, Jesus went as usual to the Mount of Olives. And then here's, check out John chapter 19 and verse two. It says, Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there. There was a place where Jesus would pray where Judas, the one that was betraying him, knew, okay, this is where we have to go because this is where we will find Jesus praying. It shows us that there needs to be a place for us that we create and have in order for us to be a people that live a life of prayer. In Matthew chapter six and verse six, I wanna show you this, this is so interesting. The Lord was showing me this this week. But when you pray, he says when, doesn't say if, but when you pray, meaning it's part of our walk with him. It's not if I feel like it, it's when you pray. There's an expectation for us to pray, okay? I'm gonna stop there. But go into your room, Close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now check this out. Now everybody, we've probably heard this scripture. Did you know that this scripture, Matthew chapter six, goes before Jesus teaches us how to pray? After Matthew chapter 6, you can read it in later on if you want. In Matthew, I think it's chapter 6, I think it's verse 10. It goes into the Lord's Prayer. He shows us how to pray. But before he shows us how to pray, he tells us where to pray. Could it be that where we pray is just as important, if not more important, than how we pray and what we pray? See, we as believers, as humans, as, as, as disciples, as whatever we want to call ourselves, as Christians, we oftentimes are so concerned about what we say to God. How we say to God, oh, I want to sound right, you know. So we'll get in the prayer closet, and we'll get in a quiet place, and we'll turn into completely different people. We start praying, well, thou sayeth the Lord. Like, you don't talk to people like that. And people will come to me and they'll say, well, I don't really know how to pray. Well, that's because it's not that necessary to know how to pray. You just talk like you're talking to somebody else. But Jesus gives us specific instructions on where to pray. Because he knows you'll never get to the place of what to pray if you don't create space on where you're praying. Where's the place that you are creating to allow yourself time to spend with God? Because I know this, if you don't have a place, hear me, and I'm not trying to condemn anybody today, I'm trying to stir something up in you, but if you don't have a place, more than likely your life of prayer is struggling. Because, again, it's so sporadic that we're just hoping for the best and what's going on. But then comes things come up. Emails come up and texts come up and, and family happens and things go on. And next thing you know, we've gone, we've gone all day and all night. And now we've gone a whole week and now we've gone a whole month. And our prayer life is based on our worship on a Sunday morning. When worship on a Sunday morning was never meant to be the source of our prayer life. It was supposed to be the boost to get us to go and pray on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And again, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to challenge you. Here's what I would encourage you with. What does your, your prayer space look like? I would encourage you to find one. I would encourage you to have a place where it's quiet, a place where it's, where it's, where it's private. And you're like, oh, well, you don't know. I got kids. It's impossible it's in, it, to, to do anything in quiet with kids. Well, David says, I get up early in the morning. I rise before the sun. He says, and I will seek you. Maybe that's a challenge for us spiritually, for those of us that have children. Maybe it's okay, well, I need to get up a little earlier. For those that have roommates, you're like, oh, I can't ever pray because my roommates are partying all night. Well, maybe that means you need to get up a little earlier than them. What does it look like for you? Because here's what I know our relationship with Him is going to lack if there's not prayer. My relationship with my wife is going to lack if there's not communication. And so it's important for us as believers, as humans, to say, okay, I want to understand, I want to remember the importance of prayer. And I want to make sure that I'm creating a space, a place for God to be able to speak to me and me speak to him. What does your prayer life look like? Where's the space that you would create for your life? And then he went three times a day. Consistency. Consistency. I if it's five minutes, five minutes a day is better than an hour a week or an hour a month. Why? Because consistency is what builds. Just like a gym and working out. If you're consistent in the gym, your small amount of time in the gym consistently is gonna be way better than you just go in there for one once a month and you're like, I'm just gonna kill it. And you get in there for two hours and next thing you know, two, two days, you're sore as all get out. Consistency is key to our growth and how we continue to walk. And why is it important to have a place? Why? I'm glad you asked. It's important to have a place for two reasons. One, so that we can hear God but then too, so that we can see see things the way that he desires for us to see them. Do you know it's a privilege that we're able to pray and seek God, that he would hear us, the God of the universe would hear us when we pray. It's a privilege. But did you know all throughout time, since the beginning of time, God always heard us. It's It's a privilege for God to hear us, but When Jesus came and Jesus died on the cross and Jesus rose again, He created, He he destroyed the veil and now He gave us access to God. So now, not only does God hear us, the greatest privilege is now we hear God. Now we have the opportunity for all of us to hear the voice of God for ourselves. See, God, all we, people, you go through all throughout the scriptures, you see, even in the Old Testament with the Israelites, they would pray to God. And the Bible says that God would hear their prayers or God would hear them and he would respond to them. But they never got the opportunity to hear him. They had to go to priests or the prophets would come and speak what God would say. But then when Jesus came, now the privilege changed. It's not just God hears us. The privilege is now we have the opportunity to hear him. Oftentimes we're so busy with our lists, oh my goodness, do I have lists. I got list after list after list. I can give you a million different things to pray about. And we'll pray and 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 pray, and pray. Then we feel good about ourselves because we prayed, we walk out, and we left. And Jesus is like, I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to speak something to you. It's, a, it, it's the greatest privilege that we have in our relationship with God that we have the opportunity to hear from him. When you create your place, yes, also take a moment where you're not just Chatty McChatterson and you're taking a moment and you're breathing and allowing God to speak to you about your life. Because I know this, my prayers sometimes won't change things but I know this, every time he speaks to me, he changes something. There is such a greater passion. There is such a greater joy. There is such a greater sense of purpose when I hear God for myself. Not when someone speaks to me about God. Those things are great. But when I hear God for me, about me, something in me is revived and renewed take moments to hear him. We want to make sure that we're creating place wise so that we can hear his voice. It's important that we understand this. And people will sometimes will say, oh, well, I haven't been hearing God. I go to church and I go to devotions and I read devotions and I create my space and I can't hear God. And I often say, okay, if that's the case, if you're not able to hear God, then maybe you need to go back. And what's the last thing he told you? Because more than likely we're not, we haven't listened and obeyed the last thing he told us. And so he stopped speaking because he's wanting us to continue to do what he." asked us to do before. Okay, too much. Okay, cool. John chapter six and verse five, we create a place for two reasons, to hear God, but then also to see things through his eyes. And I want to show you this. This is the little show me this week. So interesting. Well, many of us know this story in the scripture of Jesus feeding 5,000. It says this, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look at them. He turned to Philip and he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was, te- check this out, he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed these people. Jesus sees all these crowds. We know, we know the scripture, we've read it. He's, he's, he feeds 5,000 people with some loaves and some fishes. And here's what he does. He looks at Philip and he says, how are we gonna feed these people? Philip immediately out of his natural eyes, looks at everybody and says, he looks at the bank account, he pulls out the, the car, he, uh, we ain't got no money for this. The corporate is it got a limit. You know what I'm saying? There's no way on the planet we're gonna be able to feed all these people. It would take us months. We'd be in debt for years. And it's interesting because Jesus was testing him, the scripture says. And obviously, Philip failed the test because he didn't see it the way that Jesus was seeing it oftentimes this is what we do. We try to create in problems and situations and struggles in our lives, we see it through our own natural eyes. And so then we try to make a decision based on what we think or feel and we're failing the test of God wanting us to go into the secret place, hear his voice and then see it the way he wants to see it. Now, the doctor's report, even though it's a report, I'm seeing it the way God's wanting me to see it. Now, I'm able to walk in faith and respond the way he wants to me because i've created place and space for god to speak to me are we creating moments where we're allowing god to speak to us because here's what i know here's what i know a supernatural problem can never be fixed by a natural solution a supernatural problem can never be fixed by a natural solution this is what Philip was doing. He looked and he was naturally trying to create a what in the world is going on. I don't understand, but here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew he was gonna have a supernatural decision. And so here's what I know. We'll never see things like Jesus in the eyes and the perspective he wants us to have if we don't take moments with him and allow us to hear him and him to renew us and refresh us and give us the perspective that he desires us to have. You ever get around somebody a lot and you start talking like them? You ever get around people too much and next thing you know, you're starting to act like them. Next thing you know, you got the same laugh as them and like, why are you acting like so-and-so? And the next thing you know, you get around them so much so that now you start to see things the way you, that they see them. I'll be eating, getting food, and I'm like, nope, actually you're gonna want that, we're not getting that. Nope, actually, not going to. Nope, that's not. Why? Because now I can see it through her eyes because I've been around her so much. This is the same thing with God. Oftentimes, we don't get around him enough, and so we're not able to see things the way that he wants us to see them. When we get around him in our prayer life and we spend time with him, we create a place for him. Next thing you know, now we're able to get out into our worlds and we're able to see people the way that he sees them. We're able to see our finances the way he sees them, not us holding on to them, but us understanding that they're nothing at all his. And so we start to be willing to give. Why? All because we're seeing it his way, all because we were willing to get back to the place of spending time with him. Y'all know how it is. You got newlyweds, they spend every second together. They spend every second together to the point of where they start to finish each other's sentences. The newlyweds, they get so hyped about finishing each other's sentences. Like, oh, it's so cute. Just wait, it's not cute. But here's the thing. I know I'm being silly, but here's the thing. It's so interesting how the concept of natural relationship is the same way with God that he wants us to hear his voice, but then also he wants us to see things on this planet the way that he sees them. We can only do that by taking moments and creating a place where he can speak to us and reveal his heart to us. What does your prayer life look like? It's the most fundamental thing we know, but it's so vital that we understand that we would create, no matter if you're a Christian, well, just yesterday, or well, we've been Christians our whole lives, it's that we would take moments and a place for him. And it's oftentimes for those of us that have been Christians a long time, this is where we almost ride out our information and our knowledge of God and, and not getting back with him because we know enough that we can carry ourselves through the situations and through life. When God said, no, the dependence always goes back to, relationship with him. You gotta create a place. This is what Daniel did. I love this, and it says that he did it three times a day. It wasn't like he did it for a little while. No, he was consistent because he knew a life of prayer is essential for, with a life of faith. Daniel chapter six and verse 11, very quickly, it says the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying, asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about the law. They went immediately to Daniel's house. and This this shows me this. Okay, we understand our prayers need a place, but then also our prayers will face distractions. Our prayers will face distractions. They immediately went to his house, and they looked, and they saw him. Let Let me tell you something here. It would be very unlikely that Daniel would not have seen them at his house. So he knew those guys saw me. He saw those guys be like, and yet, He knew where they were going, and yet he still stayed in prayer, why? Because he wasn't gonna let distractions of this world keep him from relationship with God. It's the same thing with you and I. There are so many distractions, and really I wanna talk to you about three distractions today very quickly, but there are three different distractions. One, the distractions of our own battles. Distractions of our own battles, things that we go have going on in ourselves, our struggles, our, our, our insecurities. Um, I wrote down our sicknesses, uh, provision, a direction, uh, uh, frustrations from relationally with someone, our hurt from something that's happened. These can be distractions that cause us to not be able to seek God and it'll cause us to be concerned about that situation. and We're not able to keep our relationship with God, walk, walking with him, hearing with him from, from him and things like that our battles. Then, the second distraction can be boredom. Battles and boredom. I just wanna, i I put this in here because I wanna give everybody a piece, I wanna remove the shame and the weight of guilt. Every single person who has prayed at some point has gotten bored. Every single person, I just want to remove the shame because there, there, there's this concept and the enemy uses it of where there has to be always this passionate, like super exciting and like this third heaven, like ah. at all moments and angels are coming down in our prayer life. No, I'm telling you, every single person who has a prayer life at some point has gotten bored. And so here's the thing. I wanna remove the guilt and the weight off of that for you. Why? Because that's where we push through. Just because we're bored doesn't mean we stop. Now for those of you that may be like me, I'm a little bit like squirrel, you know what I'm saying? That's a little bit like me and so here's what happens. I have to make sure that I'm constantly reminding myself because I can get bored, I can be skydiving and five seconds later I'm bored in the middle of the skydive. Not really, I'm probably throwing, that doesn't matter. But here's the thing. It's so important that we understand this. this. this is a battle that human nature faces. There's gonna be moments where we get bored, where we're not, our, our focus is somewhere else. Okay, it's just a reminder. That's a hurdle and a block that I, to, that I have to push past because I know that just like any relationship, there's not gonna be always this sweet moment. No, I'm pushing through. Why? Because I know God, one, is, it's important for me, to, for God to hear me, but then two, it's even more important for me to hear God. So I'm pushing through this boredom and I'm gonna stay consistent so that I can continue to walk out and live the way God's called me to live, boredom. And then the third one is busyness, busyness. I think one of the greatest enemies of our prayer life is busyness. It may be the greatest enemy of our prayer life is busyness. We're either, we have no time. Here's the excuses. I'm just giving them to you. I'm not Again, I'm not condemning someone. I'm trying to challenge you and stir up your faith. Because again, I want to get back to the basics of us walking with Jesus. And it starts with prayer. And so it's, here's what it is. I have no time. It's I'm tired. Or I'm, I'm busy serving with my talents. See, Christians, what we have done in today's culture, we've replaced relationship with God in prayer time with serving. And so now serving makes us feel like we are accepted by God because now we've given to God. And that's great. That's a huge part of Christianity is serving. But it doesn't replace our relationship with God. It doesn't replace our prayer life. In fact, serving should be an overflow of our prayer life where is the space that you are creating don't allow hear me don't allow the enemy of this culture that says we have to be so busy that we have no time to stop and seek God I would say this if you would take time and space to seek God you'd see the things the very things that are keeping you busy you'd see them overflowing with even more because you're giving God the space and allowing him to move in your life and you're putting him first. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter six and verse 33, we all know it, seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things will be added. But the enemy says, I gotta get all these things done. The enemy says, I got all this time. Uh, or, or I'm so tired. We, got, we were so busy all day that now I'm at the end of the day. I'm just so tired. I just, got no, I just got no energy to do it. And that may be true. And that's totally fine. But then how are we creating the place to not allow ourselves to create these distractions so that we can continue to seek him the way that he desires. Does that make sense? Everybody okay? Everybody okay? Praise God. Daniel chapter six and verse 11. It says, then the officials went together in Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God for help. Daniel's prayers changed. I don't know if you noticed that. In the beginning, it says that he would go three times a day and giving God thanks. Then here, he ain't giving God no thanks. He knew, I'm about to get thrown into the lion's den, and isn't it interesting, the scripture says that if they found him praying, asking God for help. He went from thanking God to God, come on, you gotta help a brother, you know what I'm saying? And isn't it interesting that God didn't answer him? See, here's what we do. We pray and we expect an answer. The microwave prayers. We pray, we wait two or three days, and we pray again. And then you know what? We'll do it a third time. God, I'm going to pray again. And then in a week or a month, if we don't see it, now here's what happens it's not working. And so because now we feel like it's not working, now we start to neglect. And here's what happens. Oftentimes, um, the thought process of being ineffective in what we do causes us to neglect what we do. Just because you feel ineffective in your prayers does not mean God is not moving. It doesn't mean God's not hearing us. And this brings me to my thought. Prayer is a seed. Our prayers or a seed, I love this, in Galatians chapter six and verse seven, it says this, a person reaps what he sows. See, we love the instant stories. We love the scriptures in the Bible where God moves and somebody prays and instantly, or suddenly, and bang, yeah, uh-huh, uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna stop. And we love those stories. Oh, they feel so good to us. It's so when we pray, that means it's going to instantly happen. But what if, what if prayer was not meant to be instant? Prayer was meant for us to look at as a seed. Let me explain. I got an illustration. I love that we have an illustration. I love illustrations. Y'all know that. Okay. I got a pot and it's an orange pot. Experience church colors. Okay. And I have the seed and the seed is somewhat small. It's not the smallest of seeds, but it's a seed. Now, here's the thing. This is what Daniel did. He prays, asking God for help. He's he's planting the seed. Okay, I'm going to push it in the dirt. I hope I can find it for next service. Okay, I didn't think about that. Lord, help me. We might have to go to the store. Okay, and so here's 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 the thing. 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 He plants the seed. And he says, God, help me. I need your help. Oh, my goodness, God, I've been praying. God, you don't know what's about to happen to me. God, I need you. God, I planted a seed. God, I'm praying. I need you. Help me. Where are you at? God, I'm going to get thrown into a lion's den. Help me out. In fact, God didn't just not answer him. It got worse. He went from praying his heart out three days a week, um, three uh, three times a day, excuse me, if anybody deserved to have an instant prayer, it was Daniel. But God doesn't answer him. In fact, not only does God not answer him, it gets worse. He gets thrown into the lion's den. Then, after time... We see God move. What if our prayers were not meant to be instant? They were meant to be seeds that as we plant them now, we put them in God's hands. And we say, God, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let the ineffectiveness of what I see because first a seed in order for it to grow fruit has to die. And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek you and I'm going I'm to have perseverance and I'm going to call out to you. But God, in the end, I'm going to put it on that soil and I know my seed is going to be in good soil with you, God. So my prayer is going to you. And now I'm just going to trust you that in your timing, it's going to happen. See, many of you don't know, oh my goodness, I love it. We reap what we sow. And many times our prayers, for those of us that have been Christians for a long time, we see years later, we can see a prayer answered that we prayed years ago. Oftentimes we don't even realize he's in the process of answering them because we're walking through it. But then when we get on the other side of it, we see the answer. Because it was a seed in our faith. I want to encourage you. I'm encouraged. Yesterday I had a moment. And I was at this backpack to school, and you may not be you know my, our story, but I know our story. And for three and a half, four years ago, let me tell you something. There was no backpack to school. It was a prayer. You in this room were a prayer. It was the seed that was planted. I didn't say, okay, God, and this was our prayer. Ashley and I said, okay, God, we want a multicultural, multicultural multigenerational church that loves people. We said it over and over and over and over. And let me tell you something. I didn't wake up all of a sudden and, oh, my gosh, we just a whole change in the world. There's a bunch. No, it was nothing. It was us in a house by ourselves not knowing anybody in Tallahassee saying, God, give us some friends. <laughs> There's always so much she can take of me, fellas. But here's what happened. Yesterday was a moment. I was on this stage of this cafeteria floor and I look out in a sea of people, and you know what I saw? I saw a multicultural, multi-generational, church-loving people. Yeah, 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 you can clap. But here's what's interesting. Oftentimes, we stop praying because we don't see something. No. Oh, my goodness. If there's one thing I can encourage you with about your prayer life today, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't let go of the hold on so tight. Why? Because every prayer I pray is a seed. And I know the God that I serve, when I give it to him, I know I'm going to see fruit. And it's so interesting for those of us that maybe have prayed long term for a spouse. Maybe you're single in the room and you're like, I've been praying for years and I haven't seen it. Don't worry about it. Just keep praying. Don't try to take the seed out yourself and find a spouse by yourself. Keep it locked in. Why? Because at some point God's going to come to fruition and you're going to see the fruit of your prayers we oftentimes for those of us that are married very unlikely that you prayed for your spouse in the next day there she was in fact you probably prayed for your spouse and there was the devil you know what i'm saying it wasn't it she wasn't it and he wasn't it you know what i'm saying but you thought it was and you're like oh jesus nope that ain't jesus praise god that's far from the holy spirit you know what i'm saying put some clothes on okay i'm gonna stop I can encourage you with one thing. Don't give up. Plant your seeds of prayer. And this is why consistency is so vital. That as we plant, I'm telling you, the God that we serve, He hears every prayer, He knows our hearts. And he's not a god that is far and he's saying prove it to me that's not who he is. He is a god that loves us. And he's just waiting for us to plant the seed and then now trust his process. And then watch God begin to move. I love what I saw yesterday, but let me tell you something. We just getting started. Let me tell you something, I love it. This church has nothing to do with me. It's a group of people that we are just so passionate for Jesus that we want to just love like Jesus. And I know we're going to make such an impact in this city, in this state, in this country, in this world, and it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with us together. Our seeds of prayer continue to be prayed, and we watch God begin to move like never before. Your prayer life. I believe it. Daniel would say, A prayer life is essential to the life of faith. What does your prayer life look like? Maybe it's non-existent. I would encourage you, just start somewhere. Doesn't have to be an hour. Doesn't even have to be 30 minutes. But start somewhere. Find you a little corner of space and just begin to call out to God. Maybe your prayer life is... Somewhat existent, but it's been lacking, because of busyness and distractions, I want to encourage you, oh, please, if you hear my heart today, remove the distractions, because there's such a greater life with him than ever we could do on our own. What does your prayer life look like? I would encourage you, plant the seeds and watch God begin to bear fruit in your life. Amen. Can we pray today?